Good morning. We um, we always have a lot to pray about, do we not? And uh, there are things that come up, and they come up, and and um, at a moment's notice, we don't know they're on the way, but they are, and they happen. And what do we do in those times? We we go to the Lord because we know that He loves us and He cares, and He is able. Right? Amen. So do keep. Um, Emily's family in your prayers. Uh, I know that many of you care very deeply about her and the, the Dieters, and, and um, as you should. And uh, they need they need our prayer support right now. And uh, if you get a chance, maybe send them a card or a text or something. Don't expect a reply. Just just share it because you want to share your love with them. They need that. Um, and also, uh, you know, this morning, um, Danielle came to me and, and asked for prayer for her sister who's in the hospital. So keep her sister, Hannah, in your prayers as well. Uh, she needs healing and wisdom for the doctors to know what's going on with her. So um, just wanted to, uh, to say thank you for giving us the opportunity to to be away for two weeks, it felt like a long time. Uh, <laughs> and, uh, and I guess, you know, I've never done a, a two week. Um, and it really, it felt very refreshing and, and very relaxing. But after two weeks, it was like, man, I gotta get back. <laughs> felt weird. So it's so good to be back. It's so good to see all of you this morning. Uh, Thank you for joining us online, those of you who are doing that. We appreciate you as well, and we're glad that you're with us today. Um, you know, I've been preaching in a, in a series called, you know, just about discipleship, and uh, just really trying to figure out uh, how to be a disciple and how to disciple. Uh, we've kind of uh, laid some groundwork and taken some time to, to really talk about, you know, what some of the things that we need to establish first. And uh, now we're kind of in the midst of, of you know, the, the difficult part of it, which is uh, some of the things that Jesus said to us uh, that made it really, really um, something that we realize that being a disciple isn't easy. He never made it easy, um, being a follower of his. So, so this morning, if I was going to title this message, it would be, admirer or disciple, okay, admirer or disciple, and there could be a different, uh, maybe a subtitle, um, fair weather fan or die hard, okay, um, we have any fans here this morning, any fans at all, one person's a fan, oh, and there is a literal fan back there, that's, that's really good, I didn't expect that, that's, there's, there's another one, that, we have more literal fans in here than we have fans this morning. But I know, I know because I've talked to some of you that you are, some of you are fans um, of teams, of sports, of things like that. Uh, some of you don't identify with that. You're not a big sports person. 
Uh, our daughter, Sadie, she is so not into sports. Uh, she is so not into sports. So when sports are on television, she has no interest. She's not watching at all. But uh, So I realize that not everybody identifies with that. But that word fair weather, we can identify with other things as well, right? You ever heard of a fair weather friend? Yeah? I think everybody can understand that and identify with that. So if you're a, if you're a, a, a fan... Uh, and I asked you this morning, are you a, a fair weather fan or are you or a fair weather friend or are you a diehard? Uh, what would be your answer? Diehard, <laughs> die right? None of us want to admit to being fair weather because that's, that's not a good thing, is it? It's a bad connotation. It's just like a bad idea. It's like, no, that doesn't even sound good. It sounds really wishy-washy, doesn't it? And, and none of us want to be wishy-washy. We want to be like, uh, we want to have intestinal fortitude to stick it out and, and trudge through and, and make sure that uh, we don't give up on uh, whether it's a, a team or a friendship. And, uh, and that's really, I think, important. Now, all this is used to communicate something that's infinitely more important. And that is... Um, are you a fair weather fan of Jesus, or are you a diehard? <laughs> Amen. Amen. Uh, and, and to put it a different way, are you an admirer, or are you a disciple? Okay. So, to be clear, a fair weather fan abandons their faith, uh, as we're comparing it to our, our walk with Jesus, a fair-weather fan abandons their faith when times get tough. A diehard, a diehard trudges through those tough times in faithfulness to Jesus. A fair-weather fan turns their back on the teachings of Jesus when they want to do something that they know violates those teachings of Jesus. A diehard lives by those teachings even when it keeps them from doing something that they want to do. A fair-weather fan holds grudges, gets bitter, refuses to love, okay? A, a, a diehard models Jesus, extends grace, forgives, and loves when it's easier to hate. A fair-weather fan blends in with the crowd because they're worried what people will think of them. A diehard is glad to stand out in the crowd and, and actually stay in the crowd, but be Jesus in the crowd. Okay? So just some ideas there, what we're talking about, some comparisons of the two so that we're very clear about what a fair-weather fan of Christ is and what a diehard fan of Christ is. Now, I want to remind you uh, that we use the scripture, and I'm not going to have it uh, on the screen this morning, but we used the scripture from Luke chapter 9 the last time that, uh, that I preached. And Luke chapter 9, 23, 24, uh, right around in there. And that scripture told us that Jesus said to the people that were around him that if they wanted to come after him, in other words, if they wanted to follow him, they had to do what? Does anybody remember? Yeah, yeah, 
guys remember, good, that's good. Deny ourselves, take up our cross, and follow him. And so uh, Jesus told us in those words that following him would not be easy. It would not be an easy road. Now the problem is we have made following Jesus an easy road. <laughs> but that doesn't come from the scriptures, does it? It really doesn't. I mean, we, we can't really take anything from the scriptures that make following Jesus an easy road. So when we do that, when we, uh, when we act like following Jesus should be an easy road, we're not getting that from the scriptures. We've made it an extracurricular activity to follow Jesus, but it needs to be the main activity that everything else revolves around. All right? You guys... You guys with me this morning? All right. We instruct people to express mental and, and verbal belief, but fail to teach how following Jesus produces a life that models Christ. Yeah. A true disciple of Jesus has their life transformed by his righteousness. Right? That's what the scriptures teach us, that a true disciple of Jesus, they have their life transformed by his righteousness. There is a life alteration that takes place, and it's done by the Spirit of God, but it produces a life that is intentional, intentional about living according to the teachings of Jesus. So basically what I'm saying is that upon, uh, upon our salvation, Upon our redemption, upon the time in which we're giving our heart, our life over to Jesus, we're receiving his forgiveness of our sins. We're also receiving something that takes place within us, this, this, this transformation that takes place within us. And it's not a transformation that we do. It's a transformation that he does within us. And as he transforms us and makes us into something new, which the scriptures tell us that he does that, that then we have this, this, this idea, this, this motive, this heart's desire to do what Jesus wants us to do, to live like Jesus wants us to live, to follow his path, to follow his lead. And so that is the natural process in which uh, happens in salvation. Now let me take a brief moment uh, this morning to emphasize that I'm not speaking about a works-based religion, okay? I want to emphasize that something that's very important and something that we hold fast to, and that is that our salvation comes to us through grace, by faith, okay? We are, we are forgiven and we are redeemed because of what Jesus did for us on the cross. Not, not anything of ourselves. There's nothing that we can do to earn our salvation. It is a free gift of God, okay? So we're not really talking about how we get saved here. But what we are talking about is once we are saved, what that produces in our life. You know, how it changes us and makes us want to walk with the Lord and serve him in our life. Now, just to give you kind of an idea of this. Uh, there's a scripture, and we're going to go uh, to this before we go to our main text. Uh, this is Ephesians chapter uh, 2. 
uh, and we're just going to read uh, 10. Well, I, I know I just told you 10, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read 8 and 9 before I read 10. That's not his fault. That's mine. All right. Um, but this is, this is a scripture that, of what I just talked about, of what I just mentioned. Okay. So it says in 8 and 9, uh, Paul talking to the Corinthian church, For you are saved by grace through faith, and this is not from yourselves. It is God's gift, not from works, so that no one can boast. And then at verse 10, that verse 10 that we're uh, talking about that's on the screen there. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared ahead of time for us to do. So basically, uh, what Paul is saying, he's, he's helping the, uh, the, the Ephesians there, the, the people of Ephesus, he's helping them to understand where their salvation comes from. It comes completely and totally from God. But he's also helping them to understand that once they have received this great salvation, that they need to understand that they are his workmanship. And they're created and they are established for good works. They are established to do the things of Christ. They're established to live out his teachings, walk in his ways, be his people. Amen? Yeah. So uh, please understand that being, being a, a sold out, uh, dedicated, devoted, committed follower of Jesus takes everything that we have within us and as you look at the Gospels, you look and read about all of what Jesus taught. Jesus never let it be anything less than that. He never let it be anything less than that. Now, the, the reason that I say that is because if you read through what Jesus taught and what he said and how he was teaching his disciples, and uh, there were times that, and, it, and it's in scriptures, um, there were times that some of them said, this is too much. And they walked away. They walked away. Now, that wasn't Jesus' desire. Jesus didn't want them to walk away. Jesus didn't want them to, to give up on that life of following him. He wanted them to continue. But he also gave them the understanding of what it was about, what it required. And he kind of laid that, that out for them. So it's really important. It's really important that we understand that. Now, is there grace in the journey? <laughs> there better be, right? <laughs> there better be. Because if there's not, we're, in, we're all in trouble. Seriously. If there's not grace in this journey of following Jesus, we're all in trouble. You know, I, I, I think of, I think of, of Peter. I, I think of the, the disciple Peter. And, you know, he, he was one of the, the most staunch, excited, exuberant followers of Christ. But look what he did. He denied him. You know, in, his, in his, the worst possible time, he denied Jesus. He did the worst thing he could possibly do. And then, and, and you don't see Jesus like saying, you know, I'm done with you now. Aren't we glad that we didn't see Jesus say to Peter, I'm done with you now? I, I really believe that if he would have done that with Peter, that we wouldn't have much hope. 
because in this walk of following Jesus, that's not easy, that's not difficult, that is a great requirement of his to, to follow in his steps. We're going to mess up. We're going to miss the mark at times. We're, we are going to uh, maybe have an opportunity to say something or to witness or to stand up or to stand out, and we're going to faint, we're going to fail, we're going to not. But in those moments and times, that's not when Jesus says, I'm done with you. That's when he says, come on, get back up, let's go, you can do this. It's what he did with Peter, paraphrase, but that's what he did with Peter. And so as we're talking about this, this being a disciple and, and being a follower, being a diehard instead of a fair weather fan, we're not talking about something that you have to get perfect we're talking about something that you have to perfectly put your heart into. <laughs> All right. There is grace to keep going, but not walk away and follow your own desires. So are you a fair weather fan or are you a diehard? Are you an admirer or are you a disciple? Uh, let me take you to a scripture text that helps us see both of these things in one person. And watch kind of their journey. Watch kind of see how they journeyed through this, okay? This is in John chapter 3. And uh, we're going to read 1 through 12. And um, this is a, maybe a familiar scripture text. Maybe it's not. But, but it's really interesting because, um, because Jesus has this man come to him. And come to him kind of in the secrecy of the evening. And uh, we'll talk about that. But it says, There was a man from the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. This man came to him, Jesus, at night and said, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher who has come from God. For no one could perform these signs you do unless God were with him. Jesus replied, Truly, I tell you, unless someone is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. How can anyone be born when he is old? Nicodemus asked him. Can he enter his mother's womb a second time and be born? Jesus answered, truly, I tell you, unless someone is born of water and of the spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. Whatever is born of the flesh is flesh. Whatever is born of the spirit is spirit. Do not be amazed that I told you that you must be born again. The wind blows where it pleases, and you hear its sound, but you don't know where it comes from or where it is going. So it is with everyone born of the Spirit. How can these things be, asked Nicodemus. Are you a teacher of Israel and don't know these things, Jesus replied? Truly I tell you, we speak what we know and testify to what we have seen, but you do not accept our testimony. If I told you about earthly things... And you don't believe. How will you believe if I tell you about heavenly things? Hmm. Nicodemus was a member of the ruling council of the Jews. Okay. It was called the Sanhedrin. The Sanhedrin was, um, it was an elite group of that day. There were 71 members of the Sanhedrin. And in that, they were really, uh, if, if, you, if you look into the scriptures, and especially 
reading towards the end of the Gospels, you'll find that it was the Sanhedrin who was responsible for the arrest, the trial, the beatings, and the crucifixion of Jesus. That was the group that was responsible for all of that. So here's what this is telling us. Nicodemus had a high position. He had a very high position. He was a member of an elite group. And so he had this high position. And so uh, in that, he had a lot to lose. Okay? He had a lot to lose. He had this high position and he had a lot to lose. So he was surrounded by people who were uh, trying to influence him. Not to just not believe who Jesus was, but they were trying to influence him to hate Jesus and work against him. And so Nicodemus, you know, he, he, was, this, uh, he was this very intelligent, uh, smart person, a part of this elite group, uh, most likely had some wealth, and, and he just had a lot to lose. And so uh, he had journeyed through a, a time in which he had the opportunity to see Jesus, hear Jesus, maybe watch some of his miracles, certainly hear about some of his miracles. And so he was convinced that Jesus was from God. Like if you go back to just like the first uh, couple verses there, uh, Nicodemus expresses, he's like, we know that you are a teacher come from God. So he expresses that he knows that Jesus is from God. So, uh, so he has this, this idea, even though he's a part of this group that's supposed to be against Jesus, he has this idea, you know what, I think that uh, there's something to this man. I think there's something to this man. And so he came to Jesus at night. He admired Jesus. He was an admirer at this point. At this point, he was a Fairweather fan, okay? So he enjoyed listening to Jesus. He enjoyed watching Jesus. Uh, he enjoyed looking and watching Jesus interact with people. And, and, and so uh, I believe that he believed Jesus at this point up to a certain degree, but not any further, okay? He was just checking him out because he just sensed there's something to this man, but I'm not sure what it is. And so he came at night because he was unwilling to give up anything. He was unwilling to, to give up any of his position, any of his, uh, the, the, the great uh, position that he had in the Sanhedrin. And so he came to him by night. He came in secrecy. He came in a way to protect his reputation. So that's important because um, we have, we look at that now, we read about it, and we, and we can be critical. We can be critical of, of Nicodemus and say, man, you know, he, he should have had more faith in that. Or he should have he been more out in the open than that, you know. But how many times do we have a tendency to kind of like be in the shadows with our faith, okay? At that point, he was just admiring Jesus. But in the verses after the 12th verse that we just read, we see Jesus 
taking away the possibility of this life in him being a life of secrecy. There should be no secret Jesus agents. Right? We're not, we're not uh, Jesus doesn't like hire us to be secret agents for him. Right? Don't, don't tell anybody that you're with me. It's not Jesus, right? So, so he takes that away in the, in the verses preceding this. But if we look at 18 through 21, just dropping down a little further in the chapter. Um, so Jesus is, again, he's speaking here, and he says, Anyone who believes in him is not condemned, but anyone who does not believe is already condemned, because he has not believed in the name of the, the one and only Son of God. This is the judgment. The light has come into the world, and people love darkness rather than the light because their deeds were evil. For everyone who does evil hates the light and avoids it so that his deeds may, be not, uh, may not be exposed. But anyone who lives by the truth comes to the light so that his works may be shown to be accomplished by God. So basically, Jesus is helping Nicodemus to see that he needs to come out of the darkness and into the light. He needs to come out of the shadows and into the light. And so uh, you, you think about Nicodemus. We've already talked about what position he held, what group he was a part of, that he had a lot to lose. But also Nicodemus had memorized the first five books of the Bible. He had memorized the Torah. Now, I, do you guys realize like how crazy that is? <laughs> That is, like, amazing, isn't it? I mean, can you imagine being able just to start reciting Genesis and go through, like, every chapter and then go right into Exodus and just write every chapter reciting it? I mean, they, they were so committed to these first five books, the Torah. They were so committed to these first five books, the law. And so he had memorized these first five books. He knew all the religious laws. He did everything that was ceremonially expected of him, but he wasn't ready to follow Jesus. Now that's, that's important for us to think about. Because we can be religious, right? We can be very religious people. We can be religious about what we do. We can be religious about where we go. Uh, we're religious about, hey, Sunday mornings, time for church, you know, we're, so we're here, you know, we can be very religious about things. We can do a lot of things that we're supposed to do and still not be ready to follow Jesus. And, and that's where Nicodemus was at this point. I mean, he was so religious. I mean, he was like, he was in the upper echelon. Of religious people. I mean, people look to him for, you know, answers. Like if someone had a question about scripture, they would come to someone like Nicodemus. He was a teacher. Jesus said that he was a, he was a teacher. Like, you know, how can you be a teacher of Israel and not know these things? That's what Jesus said to him. So people came to him with questions. I mean, he knew all that that he was supposed to know, and yet he wasn't ready to follow. 
wasn't ready to come out of the darkness for Jesus' sake. He wasn't ready to walk with Jesus. He wasn't ready to have the attitude of Jesus. We talked about that a few weeks back, having Jesus' attitude. That's a tough one, isn't it, to have the attitude of Christ? He wasn't ready for that. He wasn't ready for the, the pure light of Jesus. He, he, was, he, was, um, he wasn't ready to do what God wanted him to do out, of the, out, out in the open for everyone to see. Jesus was speaking to Nicodemus about going from nighttime admirer to daytime disciple. And throughout the Bible, when people follow Jesus, like search the scriptures from Genesis to Revelation, when people follow Jesus, they did it with their life. They just didn't do it with their mouth. They just didn't do it with their belief. They had to do it with their life. They had to do it with how they were living, what they were actually doing, right? There's so many examples of this, just to name a few. Noah followed God and built an ark, right? Noah did that. Moses believed and, and followed the Lord, and he stood before Pharaoh. He didn't want to do that, but that's what he did. You know, Joshua believed, and he took his army, and he marched around Jericho seven times, right? It's a great battle plan. Thank you for getting my sarcasm there. It's a lousy battle plan, but it, that's, that's what God told him to do. And he believed and he followed and he did it. He lived it. He lived it with his life. Um, David believed and he went out to meet Goliath. I mean, we're, whenever we're talking about people putting their faith in God and trusting God and believing in God, what happens is they do it with their life. They don't just do it with, with their mental uh, thoughts and their, and their words. Because this isn't enough. Um, one, one instance that was enough. And it was the thief hanging on the cross. But he was at the end of his life. Um, if you jump into the New Testament, the blind beggar believed and threw off his cloak to pursue healing from Jesus. The hemorrhaging woman believed and, and followed, and she fought through the crowded streets. The four friends believed, and they broke through the roof to let their friend down in front of Jesus to be healed. So over and over and over again in scriptures, when we believe and when we follow, we are doing it with our life. We're doing it with how we live, okay? Uh, and we go on and on. There's so much more. Uh, I was telling the, the crew before uh, church, I was like, I prepared this sermon, and I thought, man, that's way too long. I had pages and pages. And, uh, and I thought, man, I got to cut some things out. And that's a lot of what I cut, it out, cut out. I had so much more to talk, talk about from the Bible, People believing and following and living it, doing it. Um, nothing's changed. Nothing's changed from the, the time of the Bible to now. We still are people who are, when we follow Jesus, we're going to live it with our life. We're going 
we're going to do it with our life, right? So nothing's changed. Disciples uh, still follow Jesus with their life. Um, a, a diehard does it with their life. A fair weather fan only does it with their lips, right? That's and, and we we can identify it so well in the in the realm of thinking about uh, sports and fandom, you know. People say they're a fan of a team. They say, you know, who's their, who's their starting center? Oh, I don't know. Oh, you're a big fan, aren't you? You know, that kind of thing. You know, when, when we're a, a fan, a diehard of something, we, we dig into it. We dig into it. We put our life in it. We put our heart into it. And that's what we have to do with following Jesus. We put our heart into this. We're to die hard for him. We're not just an admirer. We're a disciple. Follower. So what about Nicodemus? Um, we're going to jump to John 7, uh, 50 and 51. John 7, 50 and 51. And basically, I'll give you a little background before I read this. Um, so they, the... Uh, the Sanhedrin, the, the people that were after Jesus, they had sent Roman, they had sent guards, not Roman guards, they'd sent guards to arrest Jesus, and, uh, and they wanted to arrest him to stop him from teaching the things that he was teaching, and uh, the, the guards came back, and they hadn't arrested Jesus, and they basically were like, why didn't you arrest him? And they said, well, well we've never heard anybody talk like this, you know? And they were like, are you getting swayed by him too? Or are you falling for what he's saying too? They were upset with the guards, but that's kind of where we're picking this up. Um, Nicodemus, the one who came to him previously and who was one of them, one of the, the Sanhedrin, one of the ruling council, said to them, our law doesn't judge a man before it hears from him and knows what he's doing, does it? And so this seems kind of small, and trivial, but this is Nicodemus' first public stand for Jesus. He is actually now at this point, he is he is like tiptoeing to a point where he's taking a stand. He's taking that step of faith. Okay? Because the rest of the council just wants him arrested. They want him on trial. They they just want to do away with him. And Nicodemus kind of takes a little bit of a stand for Jesus, says, wait a minute, doesn't our law Say that we don't judge a man until, you know, we, we, we hear from him. And if we read the rest of this, you would see where they even, they got, they, they could tell, they could tell that Nicodemus was starting to believe Jesus. Because they were basically, you know, are you, are you uh, believing that a prophet could come from Galilee? You know, they're, they're, they're kind of like, are you really falling for this? That's what they're kind of like saying to Nicodemus. But he's starting to take that stand. He's inching out of the darkness. He's inching out of the shadows into the light. He's beginning to, to make this journey from admirer to disciple. He's beginning to make this journey from fair weather fan die hard 
And it, and it didn't happen like in an instant. It didn't happen like all of a sudden. It didn't like Nicodemus didn't stand up and say, no, we're not going to arrest him because he's the son of God. <laughs> he, he didn't approach it that way. But he is inching out of the darkness here. Kind of taking a stand for Jesus, a little bit of a stand, trying to like help him a little bit. Okay, we see that. So the transition is beginning to take place. Now, if you then jump down to John 19, this is after Jesus was crucified and died on the cross. John 19, verse 38 through 42, uh, it says, after this, and, and after this means after Jesus died on the cross, after this, Joseph of Arimathea, who was a disciple of Jesus, okay, he was a disciple of Jesus, but secretly, because of his fear of the Jews, okay, secretly, because of his fear of the Jews, asked Pilate that he might remove Jesus' body. Okay, so there we see Joseph of Arimathea, who was a secret disciple, coming out into the light. Okay, so he was a secret disciple, but now he's actually at the foot of the cross, and he's taking the body of Jesus down from the cross. He's caring for Jesus' body. So he's coming out of that secrecy. Well, look who else comes out of the secrecy. Um, Nicodemus, who had previously come to him at night, also came, bringing a mixture of about 75 pounds of myrrh and aloes. They took Jesus' body and wrapped it in linen cloths with the fragrant spices according to the burial custom of the Jews. There was a garden in the place where he was crucified. A new tomb was in the garden. No one had yet been placed in it. So we see here that Nicodemus, who had been first had, had seen him at night, kind of snuck in and, and visited him in the evening where no one would know that he was with Jesus. He, was, he went from that to a point where he kind of stood up for Jesus with the rest of the council. And now he's at the foot of the cross with Joseph of Arimathea. He's helping him take Jesus down from the cross, and he's brought 75 pounds of the perfume ointment to help bury Jesus. Now, that 75 pounds is significant. As I, as I dug into that and, and studied that, uh, I found out that 75 pounds of ointment was actually, actually the customary amount of ointment that they used to bury royalty. Okay. Now, that is significant because Nicodemus was, was bringing the amount of perfume ointment to bury royalty, a king. And I believe now, at this point, his king. You see the journey. You know, the journey is is going from admirer to disciple. You know, fair-weather fan to diehard. Now I'm not afraid to be seen with Jesus. And I think that's, that's really important for us to see that and to realize that. Because then it, it helps us to understand, like, where are we at this morning? If, if we're looking at that as a, as a journey, where are we at this morning? You know, 
do, do we, are we in the shadows admiring Jesus? And I'm not talking about literal shadows or little, literal darkness in this sense. But uh, here's some questions. Um, do you just like his songs? Do you just like his words of wisdom? Do you just like the idea of Jesus? Do you just like the promise of forgiveness? See, when, when those are the things that, that we just, you know, that's, that's where we're at, then it's, it's enough to be a fair-weather fan. It's enough to be in the shadows to just admire him. Okay? Or are you willing to follow him? Are you willing to be a diehard for him? Are you willing to do what he says? Go where he wants you to go. Stand up where he, he wants you to stand up. Um, live the way he wants you to live. You know, that is now being a disciple. And so where are you? Where are you on that, on that, uh, on that, scale, that scale, so to speak? I believe, um, and, I, and I base this on, you know, what I know about you guys and, and you know, how we started. Because, you know, I said, you want to be a, you want to be a diehard for Jesus or do you want to be a fair weather fan? And I didn't hear anybody in here this morning say, I want to be a fair weather fan. But I did hear several say, I want to be a diehard. And that's where we all need to be, right? So this morning, uh, as we go into a song, I, I just want to uh, remind you, uh, Jim, Pastor Jim said it well, um, these altars are always open. They're, they're open at any moment in time in, in our service. So I'm reminding you that these altars are open for you to come and respond to how the Lord is speaking to your heart. Maybe this morning you're thinking, you know what, I am done I am done being a fair weather fan. Or I am done hiding in the shadows. Or I am done being an admirer. It's time for me to be a disciple. If that's you this morning, you can come and pray. Meet the Lord there and ask him to help you to be that diehard. We stand here. Heavenly Father, Lord, as we, um, as we come into this time of, of responding to what we've read in your word, Lord, it's, um, for us to say that being a disciple isn't a challenge would be a lie. We, we'd be fooling ourselves. Lord, being a disciple of yours is, is a challenge. It's, it's not an easy road. You told us it wasn't. But, Lord, it's the best road that we could ever be on. It's the greatest way to walk through this life, walking in your steps, following 
to lead. Walking out in the light to be known as a, a Jesus person. And we pray this morning that everybody here will, will be on that journey to be that disciple that you want us all to be. Um, no, no more, no more fair weather failing, no, no more of that. We got to go past being an admirer of yours uh, to the point where we'll walk the way you walk. We'll, we'll live the way you want us to live. We'll, we'll live according to the, your teachings and, and the things that you have shown us and the example that you gave us. Lord, help us to, to be that way. We need to be that way with, with our church family here. But take it outside these walls and be that way with our, our other family, our physical family. Um, we need to be that way with our coworkers. We need to be that way with our neighbors. We need to be that way with all those people that we, we rub shoulders with every day. Lord, uh, that they will just be able to tell by the way we live that we're all about you. We love you, Lord, and we just pray that you'll help us to do that and that you'll touch our hearts and our lives today and uh, give us strength for this journey. In Jesus' name.